Back to the Culture Call on Praise 93.3 with L. Spencer Smith. Our desire is to reach and empower the community by discussing a cross-section of relevant topics from various perspectives that are essential to its growth and interpersonal connections. Be sure to save our call-in number 205-752-4800. Be sure to install the free Praise 93.3 app so you can send L. Spencer Smith a message or topic idea. Search for WTSK in your app store. This is the world Great morning, great morning, great morning, precious people. You know what time it is. It's time for your favorite talk show. That's right, the culture call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on Praise 93.3, your inspiration station. Guess what? And this is the place where Tuscaloosa meets the world. And of course, for the next two hours from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., we're going to be talking a little bit about everything from society to sports, education to economics, and definitely from religion to relationships. And as always, we are here to create a what safe space <laughs> to have empowering, uh, provocative, and sometimes a little controversial conversations, right? And guess what? You can call in and you can chat it up, learn right here as we share together on the Culture Call. want to send a shout out to all of you who may be our first time listeners. This is your first time hearing the Culture Call. Listen, welcome you, welcome you, and welcome you. You are a part of the Culture Call family this morning, and I am so grateful uh, that you have tuned in. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, definitely want to make sure that you are comfortable. Hey, we have we talk a lot. We're going, you know, some things you might be like, oh, my God, did he say that or whatever? Or sometimes you might go ahead and say that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of like a church experience. I don't know, whatever it is. But we are so grateful to have you all. Always want to send a shout-out uh, to... Uh, the epitome of radio excellence, Brother Jay absolutely blazes it from 5 a.m. all the way to 10. He hands me this hot baton, and I got to keep on running to see what the end going to be. But shout out to Brother Jay, who is just consistent in what he does. And definitely to all of our regular recurring uh, listeners, thank you for listening to The Culture Call every day. You know, Miss Joyce and all of you guys out there who give me a call and drop me a line in the chat every now and then. Barbara, yeah, Angie from Memphis, thank you all for listening to The Culture Call. You make the difference, and you have made this the number one talk show, and I am grateful for all of your support. Listen, do me a favor. Go to your app store on your smart device, your Apple phone or your Android phone, whatever it is, and go there to the app store and tune in, look and search out Praise 93.3 FM, and there you will find a free 99 app. Doesn't cost you one single solitary thing. A free app there. Go ahead, download that to your phone since it's free. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there you can listen to not only the culture call, but all of the great programming that we have here on Praise 93.3 throughout the day. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. And that uh, app has a chat feature. And uh, I'll tell you how to use that just a little bit later. But I need you to go ahead and do that for me. Listen to all of you who are trying to get your church, church announcements out. We got just a few of them. Uh, in, uh, you can email me your public service announcements or your events at culturecall.praise at gmail.com. That's culturecall.praise at gmail.com. Or you can go to my Facebook page, The Culture Call, and message me there. That's right. All you got to do is put, 
push the thumbs up, the like button, and you have access to my messaging system. And you can send me your announcements, what's happening at your church, what's going on in your organization, your sorority, your fraternity, whether you're an artist getting ready to have a concert or a preacher getting ready to start a revival. does not matter. I want to be able to let everybody know what's happening uh, with you, you know, because that what you do is important. So we want faces in the place. That's right. We want feet uh, to whatever you are featuring. That's right. Because you know how good you feel when you see a packed house or when you when people come through uh, your event. Yeah, that's what we ought to do as community. You know why? Because we do it better when we do it together as always. And of course, you can call in. Here is the golden uh, line, 205-752-4800, 205-752-4800. You can call in. And once again, you can go to that app and there's a chat feature there. You can send me a chat. Let me know what you think about the programming. Let you know. Let me know what you think about, you know, what we need to talk about. If I haven't spoken about it yet, we've been talking about a little bit about everything, literally. Uh, but if there's a subject that you want me to talk about and touch on, absolutely, you can send it to me there uh, via the uh, the chat on the app. We want to just make sure that we hear from you. That's right, because you are a major part of the culture call. Listen, so sit back and relax. Grab you some coffee. You know how we do it, Maxwell House or Starbucks. Go ahead and get you some herbal tea, some herbal tea. That's right, some chamomile uh, if you're trying to calm down. Some green tea if you're trying to spur up with a little caffeine kick there. Yeah, if you're staying off of coffee and all the energy drinks, that's that's a wise thing. Or you can go ahead and get you some alkaline water. You Normally, that's the water in the black with the black label. Uh, some places have black and red. I know my favorite is essential water. It helps detox your body. That's right. It helps get all of the stuff out of your body and get your cells, uh, you know, alive and conscious and, <laughs> and woke, <laughs> as the kids say. That's right. And let's get into the culture. So, listen. So much to talk about. It is, again, Black History Month, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we get there, this morning, it just rolled out, Culture Call, that uh, the former president, President Trump, is not exonerated from uh, any level of criminality or punishment. He does not have immunity for or, or his criminal activity. And that is a significant uh, judicial decision uh, that we all need to be paying attention to. Because if they had decided the other way, it would have set this democracy up to be a dictatorship. And that means that anybody uh, that would be in the presidential office could do anything, anytime they wanted to, without any kind of criminal prosecution, right? Um, And that is very important on behalf of the democracy, the federal republic that we have, the representative republic that we have in this country. This is important. Important. So, yeah, the district court of of DC DC uh, court, they did it in per curiam. What does that mean? Per curiam means that not one person uh, wrote the the standing, but uh, the entire court, the entire court, all three of the judges uh, came in unanimous agreement. There was no opposition. That no president, not only uh, not only President Trump, but not any president can claim uh, presidential immunity for criminal activity especially when they become a citizen, especially when they become a citizen. And of course, you know, uh, if you've been paying attention any uh, at any level, uh, there are several, several uh, uh, criminal indictments that uh, the former president, President Trump has on him. And now those litigators, those prosecutors can go and proceed because this is uh, uh, is a big one. And of course, uh, uh, former President Trump, 
the the fighter, quote unquote, as he is, is trying to appeal to the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, it is very rare, let me say, that when when one court comes back per, per curium, uh, the entire court without dissension, all unanimous, it is very, very rare uh, that the Supreme Court would even take up the case or try to re-adjudicate it and flip it. It's very rare that that would happen. It does not. It, it that That's not the norm. Now, you have to also understand, here's the caveat, you have to understand that, that the Supreme Court is... Uh, dominated by conservative justices, six, I believe, and three of those are Trump appointed. So then there's that. So you do have to deal with that. But again, if they were to overturn it, then they have to they have to uh, let Richard Nixon go. Because again, President Trump, uh, former President Trump announced that he did do it. That was not his defense. His defense is not that he didn't uh, caused the January 6th or he didn't do uh, the, the voter tampering. That was not his defense because it was proven that he did it. His thing was, as the president, I have immunity. That was his defense. I have immunity from any crimes because of the president. The president has to have defense, uh, 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 immunity from that, and, you know, and he was not protecting the nation. He was protecting himself. So, yeah, then there's that, right? So this is a major day in uh, in the courts, of America, and I think we need to pay attention because there's going to be a whole lot going on. And of course, you know the Supreme Court is also dealing with, um, I believe it's the Fourteenth Amendment, where uh, a lot of states are dropping uh, former President Trump off of the ballot for re, uh, for his chance at re-election to the presidency because of the criminal nature of what this court just decided. So you know that's already uh, before the Supreme Court. I know the one in Colorado is. And so many other states are just waiting to see what the Supreme Court says. Now, when you read the amendment, when you do read the amendment, it does say that, you know, it doesn't look good from a legal constitutional standpoint for the former president. But as I said before, the caveat is, is that we have six uh, conservative judges, what they call conservative judges, and uh, and three, of course, what they call liberal judges, right? Which should not affect their adjudication when we're talking about the Constitution or the law, right? That's what the Supreme Court has held to. And it became a kind of racketeering when he started appointing judges that he thought was favor only him. And so that's what he's relying on. That's what he's always relied on. But uh, hopefully, prayerfully, that the legal system, the court system, will, uh, the courts will follow what the Constitution says and what it says, Um in, in, in like manner, and that that will come up with the same adjudication, the same decision uh, that the D.C. appellate court came to with regards to criminality. Um, yeah, we, we we hopefully that will definitely happen. All right, so just wanted to bring you a little bit of that. There's a whole lot going on, uh, but the focus this month is on Black history, and I am so super super excited about Black history. You know, I it's it's part of my wheelhouse. I love to learn about all the amazing things that we as black people have done in this country. And as I've said before, that black history is American history. There is no way around it, <laughs> right? Right. There is no way around it. So that's the facts of the matter, that black history is American history because it took our ancestors and our foreparents uh, to, to, to build this country with free labor, Right. Um, that's the current conversation with reparations that's going on right now. And I think that's very, very important. So I think we need to always 
when we have the opportunity, pay attention to, uh, you know, black history. And I know it's only one month and, you know, people complain about it's the longest, uh, the shortest month of the, of, of the year. I get all that. And then there are some people like Morgan Freeman, the actor, famous actor, um, that says black history, uh, black history month is, um, is, is, is insulting to black people. It's insulting to black people that you would only give them a month. It should be just American history. But here's the problem. Here's what my pushback is. That would be good in a country that really understands its history, the good and the bad, right? And that they're willing to tell the truth. But now you know that we are in currently under a system that's trying to remove history out of schools, out of every place. They're trying to, you know, dissuade us uh, uh, from, or we're not dissuade, but they're trying to deceive us in thinking that uh, the, the enslaved did not have a historical attribution to anything in the creation of this country, right? They want to give it to George Washington, Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, you know, uh, Alexander Payne. Uh, they, they want to give it to all of them, right? They want to give it to all of the all the Caucasian people that helped form this country. But the truth of the matter is, if we tell the truth, um, that, that, that there would not be a country um, even the enslaved fought, even in the American res- res- uh, Revolution, right? Crispus Attucks, Peter Salem, right? All of those people, they were black people who were enslaved. Really, <laughs> even after they won their, uh, you know, their Declaration of Independence from Britain, right? It slavery came as a as a, a British English European construct. And what is unique about slavery in America is that this is chattel slavery. See, they don't ever want to talk about chattel slavery. They didn't want to say, always say, well, slavery was always going on in the world. Well, you can read that even from the biblical text. There was slavery in that. But it was never because of race, a racial construct. It was mostly a prisoner of war or the working off of debt. That when you owed somebody, you became their slave, right? Uh, uh, And so... The, 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 the borrower, borrower is slave to the lender. I mean, that's the, that's the fact. But they're not coming and taking you and making, making you work on the field. You know, they're not doing that now. You owe your mortgage. You owe your, the electric company. You owe credit cards. But none of them are taking, you know, seizing you when you make a late payment. But that's what it was in the old world, right? They would call them slaves and or indentured servant slavery. But when we got to America, first of all, this was the first place where they hijacked an entire country. The, the, uh, at first, it started with the Portuguese, uh, and then it went on. And by the time we got to this country, they were utilizing us not as hu- humans that were paying or repaying a debt uh, or not a prisoner of war because Africa was not in war with Europe at all. They were minding all business. No, they saw different and other and they took our forfeit parents from africa and they put them in uh, bondage yeah enslavement under ships and uh this is what we call the transatlantic slave trade and made them work as beasts of the field right but before they left europe they developed this whole race understanding of this charter uh, value in being and they relegated black people to that which is cattle which is property which is not worth anything, which is, you know, and so that gave them, you know, and they they even twisted the scriptures to try to make it seem like that's what God intended. When, in fact, in fact, there you you, you can't find any Caucasian people in Genesis in the Old Testament period, right? <laughs> right. 
those are not those are not white folks. Those are black and brown people in that in that in that whole existence, right? And so it's very important as we make those distinctions to understand why we have you know we are so uh, it, it, we have experienced so much in our history, and that we always need to mark this as altars and a benchmark where we visit every year. That's you know basically not even every every year on February, but every day that needs to stay up in the consciousness. And we talked about that. That needs to be an altar in our families that we let our children know. Yeah, we have an amazing history. You know, this whole idea of Black History Month was started by uh, the guy, this guy named Carter G. Woodson. Carter G. Woodson was born in December 19th, 1875, and he died April 3rd, 1950. And he was an American historian, author, journalist, and the founder of the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. And he was one of the first scholars to study the history of African, uh, the African diaspora, including African American history. He's the founder of the Journal of Negro History in 1916. And Woodson is the father of black history. He's been called the father of black history. And of course, in February 1926, he launched the celebration of Negro History Week. So what was what we call uh, Black History Month started as Negro History Week. It was the precursor to the holiday or to the month that we celebrate now. And he was one of the most important figures in the movement of Afrocentrism due to his perspective of placing people of African descent at the center of the study and history and the human experience. Yeah, Carter Godwin Woodson uh, was was a major figure in making sure uh, that starting out with Negro History Week, making sure that Black History Month would be a thing. And one of the things that I want to bring up today, even as we talk about that, is how we pass it on. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how we pass it on. How do we pass this amazing history on, especially in the midst of tumult, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of where people want to ignore it? How do we, as a black community, pass it on to our children and our children's children? First thing that I want to say is, number one, that... This is part of their inheritance. That's how I felt when I was growing up, when my uh, my parents and my grandparents would tell me things and stories about how they came up in South Carolina, you know, in a small place called Camp Creek, Camp Quarters, right? Camp Quarters, uh, uh, you know, uh, outside of St. Stephen now, St. Stephen, Russellville area, and how they were all in this place. You know, it was just amazing. And I would just sit there and listen to them talk about our family's history and how we got to where we are and all of the things that were going on at that time. I feel that that I felt that that was a part of my history. And I think that's very important that we talk about in this 2024 dispensation, right? How do we pass that along to our children, you know, who don't necessarily seem interested uh, with knowing where we come from and knowing our history, right? Where do we, where do we, Put and instill in them and make it palatable for them to understand um, that, yes, we've come a mighty long way and that they are a part. What they do is a part of still writing the continuous legacy of African-American history. I think that's important, right? That their actions, who they are, what they do is so, so very important to what we see and to what their children will one day read about them. I think that's very important. Why do I think that's important? Because if you don't know your history, you're destined to repeat it. 
if you don't know where we come from and how we got here and what it took for us to survive, all of those who lost their lives on along the way, major legislation policies, right? Uh, this uh, a woman uh, news anchor on MSNBC, Joy Reid, she wrote this book, and I can't wait to read it, uh, talking about Medgar Evers and his wife, Merrill Lee. It's called Merrick Medgar and Merrill Lee. Um, that were in Mississippi. He was he was one of the first black people to die in the civil rights movement before Martin, before Malcolm X. You know, all of those uh, who were significant in that movement. Um, and I believe that they finally found his killer in the early 90s, late 80s, mid, mid to late 80s. Uh, 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 Beckwith, Donald J. Beckwith. I want to think I want to say that's his name. Just try, uh, trying to remember off the top of my head. But they adjudicated that. In other words, that man went free for all of those years. Um, and, and that was important. I believe that. Uh, it's portrayed in The Ghost of Mississippi, a movie that came out. Uh, that Mississippi uh, it was the the most dangerous place, uh, and then Alabama was the most dangerous place in during the civil rights movement. Our children need to know that because they live in this state. They live in this arena. They live in this area, the southern area, right? And there are still vestiges, a lot of it, remnants of those racial connotations and racial things, you know, you know, every time I ride through uh, Utah and Greene County and you look at the, uh, what is that, the antebellum homes, right? And then when you look in the back to the side, you can see the little side houses, right? That wasn't a garage. That's where the slaves used to live, right? <laughs> right? But if we don't stop and tell our children who live right in the same town what those houses are, what those what those places mean, we're going to lose something. Right. See, every year they make a big thing about the 4th of July. And Frederick Douglass wrote about what is the 4th of July to the Negro? What is that? We're not free. We helped you get free. But what is the 4th of July, you know, to the to the Negro? And absolutely nothing. He wrote this, you know, this uh, this scathing, you know, uh, message, scathing sermon, you know, essay, if you will, uh, of what it does it mean. Why, how, how, how are you expecting, you know, even today, how are you expecting uh, black people to, to celebrate July 4th when at, in July 4th, they were not even regarded as humans? See, a lot of our kids don't know that, right? They don't know that. They have, you know, we weren't, we weren't even considered human at July 4th. We were simply, you know, beast of burden. We were simply, you know, just there, you know, helping them fight their war. And the children need to be like, wait a minute, hold on. Why, why, why? Because that was me. I was really inquisitive. I wanted to, you know, I always wanted to, you know, tell, find out what's going on. You know, I was nosy. I guess you could say that culture call. That's what I was like, yo, what's happening? No, the reality is, is that at that time we were fighting, even when it came to the Vietnam War, you know, let's go recently, the Vietnam War, they would come back, uh, you know, fighting from the World Wars, World War One, World War Two. Um, the Vietnam War, all of those Korean War, all of those things that we have always fought. The Civil War, we have fought with and for this country, and we would come back to this place, to the to uh, United States, and be hung, and be lynched, and be burned. Absolutely, absolutely, and that was, you know, that that's a part of the history of this country, and it's hard. Here's the deal: I get it. I get it, Culture Call, and I know you do too. I get it. It's hard 
when you've been that violent and your foreparents have been that evil and that barbaric and you profited from it and you, 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 I mean, think about it. When you've been that kind of person in nature that we were looked at as the beast, but they were acting like the beast. When you look at that and you do a hardcore study on it, that's hard to reconcile. Yeah, it is. I, I, and hear me now. And you, current, and you currently live off of the privilege of that in this country, whether you are bigoted, whether you are racist or not, you still live off of that whole idea of of what happened and what what happened with, that my granddaddy, great granddaddy's fourth parents did. I, I would remove it too. I would be ashamed of it. Not ashamed because I did it, but I, not guilty, ashamed. I would be ashamed that I come from people who thought like that. And not only that, then you ought to utilize your privilege to change any kind of systemic thing that 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 uh, is rooted in what happened in American history to 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 create this inequity, to create this lack of justice, this lack of peace. To you know, I've got to deal with uh, redlining. I've got to I've got to you know make sure that we become a more equitable society economically, financially, you know, medicine wise. All of that, all of the inequities. I have to I have to see that right. But what they want to do is just wipe it out of history like it never happened and say, oh, we are, we are colorblind. No, no, colorblind does not serve anyone but the people who say they're colorblind. Colorblind doesn't serve those who are, quote, unquote, colored, <laughs> right, right? And who's the most colored? The people who say they're colorblind, you know? Our brothers and sisters from Europe, you know? That that's that's a fact. Throughout their whole lives, they are way they change more colors than all of us. They have the colors of the spectrum in their face because they lack the melanin. So you know that's what they call color. But no color is you turn blue, you turn red, you turn white, you turn gray when you die. All these different. Oh yeah, you 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 have that, <laughs> not me. <laughs> but the reality is. We've got to start talking about formative ways that we can pass this history down to our children. How do we sit our grandchildren down? How do we sit our children down and say, hey, let me tell you a little story about this. You know, you know, every now and then my mom or dad would stop and say, do you know where this comes from? Or do you know why we do this? And they would give a whole history lesson about that. Now, here's the deal. In order for us to do that as a, as a community, as a community, we have to take focus on who we are. We cannot allow adjacency to privilege or whiteness or, you know, or any other kind of affirmation, this duality of, of consciousness. We can't allow that to make us forget, you know. Um, and and, and, a, and a, a part of that is embarrassing when you look at, for example, when Tim Scott, uh, senator from South Carolina, who was appointed by Nikki Haley but endorsed Trump. That's a whole hilarious thing. But when when he was endorsing Trump, if you go and look at it, go to YouTube or pull it up on your phone and just type that in, you will see how Tim Scott used uh, black African-American histrionics to endorse him. He used uh, what preachers use every Sunday, black sacred rhetoric. 
repetition, right? He used it to endorse him, right? He was, I was like, wait a minute. He's stepping, you're stepping out, you're stepping, utilizing your black character and our culture and that which is indigenous to our history to endorse someone who, you know, is only using you for your endorsement. But not that it's going to get him any more votes. I definitely know that in South Carolina. That's not going to happen. That's where I'm from. I'm telling you, that's not going to get any Trump any more black votes. That number one. But the truth of the matter is that you would be willing to do whatever you need to do and demean yourself to be close enough to that because you think that proximity protects you and it does not. Right? And so we need to tell our children, we need to figure out in education, through plays, through theater, through music, we need to figure out creative ways where we can begin to pass this amazing history down to our children. Yeah, we need to make sure that our children understand who we are and where we come from. So it's going to be a great day as we talk today right here on The Culture Call with yours truly, Elspeth Smith, right here on your favorite station, Praise 93.3. Yes, right, your inspiration station. Keep it right here. Don't go anywhere. Back right here on the culture call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith. Praise 93.3, your inspiration station. That's right, your favorite station. Listen, and we are talking about how do we pass it on as a black community? How do we pass our history on in the midst of everybody trying to take it away and in the midst of everybody trying to say, you know, folks saying, legislation saying, hey, it makes it makes some people feel bad. Well, it was bad, but and so we have a responsibility, you know, not to just rely on schools to to teach our children our history. But how do we pass it on? You know, Bishop L, how in the world do I sit my children down and make them interested? Listen, listen, I'm, I'm thank you, Betty. Hit me up, yeah, Betty. Hit me up. I'm glad that you listen, Betty. Child, so glad that you're listening to me every day. You make me feel real good, and thank you, Paul, for. Uh, uh, for correcting me, it's Byron Dela Beckwith. That was who Mega, uh, Mega uh, Everest Killer was. Byron Dela Beck, uh, Beckwith. There it is. And that's important to note because again, his, he was killed, uh, when the first to get, uh, murdered in along with, you know, and he was one adjudicating even for Emmett Till and making sure that he went to Congress and got all of this stuff. And so, you know, Byron Dela Beckwith, I uh, killed him right in front of his home, right in front of his home in, uh, in, 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 in Mississippi. And that, that was adjudicated, uh, you know, in the eighties, eighties, nineties, mid eighties, nineties. And so it, the, the, as Martin Luther King says that the arc of justice, sometimes it takes a while. It takes a while, but it is what it is. I mean, that's, that's the facts of the matter. And we want to make sure. Uh, that we are we are not lost as a black community. So let's talk about how do we relay these stories, important narratives, the importance of our history to our children and our children's children. The first thing is that you have to be knowledgeable of that history as well. Do they know the black history figures of the places where they live in the South, you know, Tuscaloosa, we have T.Y. Rogers, we've got Donald Washington. There were so many people uh, that were significant in Tuscaloosa. But even in Birmingham, do they know about, you know, the the, uh, the 16th Street Church bombing of the four little girls there? Uh, do they know all of, do they know uh, the, the fights that they had with Bill Bull, Connor, all of that? Do they, I mean, you can start with the simple things, but parents, 
you've got to at least be able to track with the history. In other words, you got to, you, you, if you're not that, you know, if, if you can remember, you know, I'm in my early 50s. And so I remember uh, uh, I'm a baby coming right out of the civil rights movement born in 1971. And so, you know, that was important. So we got books and my parents, my wife's parents, they bought books, black history, so my kids could read it. You know, I the fortunate thing that we had, uh, my kids had their grandparents, my mom, my dad, uh, uh, her, her, uh, my, my, my wife's mother. You know, they had all this black history around them. And every time you met with my mom or my dad, they were going to teach you something about black history because because they thought it was important. Right. And I, I you know, even today. So we have to have a system of, of, of learning. What is our history? You know, one of the things that, you know, I learned in seminary is that there's a there's a whole black church history that coincides with black history. Right. That at every point in turn that the black church has been significantly important to what was happening in in America and definitely in the with black people in this country. This is why today I don't allow anyone. I know that there are many things that the church needs to work on. I know that, you know, the church is full of imperfect people. I know that there are, are certain policies and certain old wives tales and certain philosophies and idiosyncrasies that people call doctrine that are actually not biblical. I know all of that exists. But for us as black people, without the understanding of or at the presence of the black church in our history, we would not have survived period. We would not have survived. And so I don't just let every anybody come to say, well, the black church ain't doing the black church. No, there are black churches all over this country that are feeding and pouring into their community. They are teaching their children. They are, you know, uh, making sure uh, that, that there is equity and they're speaking out uh, for the concerns of black and brown people all over this country, right? Now, maybe your church might not be, but that's not the entire church, right? Everybody's not taking your money. Most people ain't taking the money. That's the most, right? Sometimes we trend uh, on the controversial um, to the point of hyperbole. We trend going that way, right? But that's not true, right? That there are churches still in rural areas uh, that are just like family. They are, they, I mean, again, you're looking, you're looking for perfect, a perfect place with perfect people, but the moment that you and I become a part, that perfect place ceases to be perfect because what what, what are we going to do? We're going to bring our imperfections. That's kind of how it goes, right? And so then the reality is, the reality is, is that they're, they're, we need to teach them about the partners, the partnerships of the black church with the black community. But we also need to teach them about how our families were separated and what was the use of that? Why was that purposeful? You know, there is history all around. You can go to Montgomery uh, and that they, they have what they call the the um, the lynching museum. That 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 uh, uh, that museum is not the word I want to use, but that that whole idea that they have the lynching. Uh, yeah. For the better, better, better word museum. This, uh, you know, that I think that's very important because they have the names there, what they did, what counties from Alabama. Uh, you know, that just it's just amazing. I believe that we're, we're going to uh, go there in March. That exhibit, there we go, the lynching exhibit, 
that I, that's I can't wait to go there. We uh, last year we went to uh, the Smithsonian uh, Black Museum of African American History. When I tell you, when I tell you, that was something to see. I'm, I'm listen, the history, the history. I mean, it was amazing, and. Once, and I'm talking about every aspect almost of our history is located there. I mean, and it was just amazing to see literal plantation cabin, log cabin homes where slaves used to live that were donated by family members uh, to the museum. And to look at the meager and the poor, uh, 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 you know, resources that they have, if you want to even call them resources. And our people survive. See, our children have to understand that. The whole idea of education, you know, Ruby Bridges and, you know, uh, uh, um, oh, my goodness, I just lost her name. But anyway, Arthurine, who was the first to segregate the University of Alabama, they had all in there. They have all of these things in, in, in that place. It was amazing. I was, listen, listen, I was just like, wow, wow. But is there a way to pass that uh i think you know uh that that whole idea of you know what we what we as black people have been through in this country and so even if you don't know the history verbatim and i've got so many thoughts in my mind right, right my mind is like yo you know this you know this you know this that is all crunching out trying to get it at one time but the reality is start there start by a book Start, go go to the 16th Street Baptist Church. Go there, especially if you're in Birmingham or Tuscaloosa or anywhere in Alabama, make a trip. Go to the Civil Rights Museum in Birmingham. We, My wife and I took our kids there. It was just, wow. I mean, just what happened right here in in Birmingham, right here not too far from us. Take them there. Let them see. Let them see. Let them see the adjudication of of the cases to bring those who blew up that church. Let them see the lynchings Let, and explain it to them. Don't just leave them with the horror. Explain it to them. That's how you pass it on. That's how you pass it on. Because already uh, American education already has told us in some way, form, and fashion, we're not going to teach it correctly. We're not. If we teach it at all. We're not going to teach it correctly from Governor DeSantis is talking, you know, saying slavery was like some kind of work program <laughs> that that, you know, after they were released, that they use skills that they learned while they were enslaved, which is which is a total, a total objection and rejection of truthful history that they weren't even. First of all, the, 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 the skills of the slaves and what they could do determined the price of the slave. So it wasn't that they could learn. It wasn't that they were strong, right? If we were so dumb, how did we learn all of this? If we were so unintelligent and uncivilized, how did we learn all of this? How? how? No, we brought it with us, right? And so you already see that they are not even trying, attempting to teach it properly. And so it becomes incumbent upon of all of us to create as a part of our children's inheritance. Don't just leave them money, but you got to leave them knowledge and insight and understanding of who they are. You know, you got to leave that to them 
so that they will see because what that did. And let me just say this, what that did, it helped us walk in a different way and see ourselves in a different perspective in a world that didn't really expect too much from us. Right. That I went to a rural school, rural elementary school, a rural high school. Right. I went to that and they didn't have that much expectation. So whenever we whenever we did achieve, whenever we did shine, it just it was like, wow. Oh, wow. You know, because they don't think that level of education can come from that, that that we you know, that is important for our children to know that they need to take advantage of that. They need to take advantage of any opportunity that they have to educate themselves. Why is that? Because it gives them a different perception and perspective of who they are walking in this world that will not, will not, not does not, but just will not always look like them. Right? That that they need to understand, how do I navigate? They need to understand, as my parents, too, my, my grandma, my granddaddy, my mom, my dad told me, listen, that, you know, you got to make an A. Because even with an A, your A is going to be looked at as your B, as their B or C. You know, that was the whole idea of affirmative action that they just overturned. Right? Because they're like, well, they're just letting these, these, these black people in because they're black. No. No. Not only, no, we had to make the grade to get into Harvard. We had to make the grade to get into Princeton and the Yale and to Brown. We had to make the grades to do that. The uh, affirmative action was that, guess what? Not only do we have to make the grades, but the, the federal government had to create access. Because even if we made the grades, there are letters in history that go, went back to, you know, some scholars, some black scholars and and, and people who were making the grace said, sorry, we can't let you in to this school because of the color of your skin. That's documented. So they're telling you exactly why they can't let you in. They are telling you why they cannot allow you to be a part of their society, of their fraternities, of their schools. This is the whole purpose of HBCUs. It perturbs me greatly. When I hear black people talking about, well, no, I'm not going to HBCU, as if the HBCU is inferior. No, there was a time when the only place you could go for higher education was the HBCU. Do you know why? Why is because that you were not allowed in white spaces and white places of higher education. They didn't believe that you could learn on that level. Did not. Did not. Right? And so... And then that in race, there was also colorism because they had the paper bag test where the lighter people, the lighter you were, the, the closer you were to a, a whiter pigmentation gave you more access. Right. That there were times where black people who were born by one parent was white, one parent was black, but they were light enough to be able to assimilate into white acceptance. Right. That happened right here. You see, that happened not too many years ago. That's the facts. And and we cannot allow that history to slip away from our children. They need to know the truth. So when I send you to school, it is to get you to understand that you've got to do this in order to get here. You, th- This is a part of who we are. We achieve. We excel. And to, you know, uh, yeah, authoring Lucy. That's right. That that if we don't have that, if we don't have that kind of understanding, if you don't get that, 
right? Then our children will be they, they're like it to them be like, well, I'm just gonna drop out of school. Are you you, you gonna do what? You gonna do how much? No, that's no that we, no. You got to do better, right? And so th- that that's the whole thing, the whole context. We have to let them know that that's a part of our history, having to do better. And yes, that could that could feel like pressure. That could look like pressure sometimes. Yeah. But guess what? All of us had to live up to it because we did have all of our people on our shoulders. That's the thing I love about black community is that when you went off and you did well, you weren't just representing you. You were representing all of the people. When I went off to school and I was doing well and I got, you know, you know, albums and doing this. I represented everybody from Monk's Corner, South Carolina. So when I went back home to visit my parents, it was like, man, I heard what you're doing, man. You represent us well. You're doing things that we could not do. And was that pressure? Yes. Pressure to do what? To do as best as I could with what I had. To maximize every opportunity. To never to never just rest on my laurels because I knew I had people, teachers, you know, all those who taught me and protected me and put imparted into me, instilled excellence into me. I had them on my shoulders as I was walking through different doors, as I was achieving different things. Absolutely. That wasn't something that I ran away from. That was something that was endowed. And we need to do the same thing. Listen, this ain't just about you. Here it is. I think we need to remove a part of the selfish, entitled consciousness from our young people. From our young people, right? Man, it's all about me. No, it is. Listen, as a black individual in this country, you cannot survive by yourself disconnected from community. You cannot. There is no long ranger, long ranger in the black community. You can't do it. Not at all. Say it again. Not at all. We need each other. And again, give them the understanding of the privilege it was. And it is. I just went back home to uh, uh, preach a conference in South Carolina and my high school teacher came there. And when I recognized her, she just... And told her I was so grateful for all of the stuff that she put inside of me. She was my choir teacher in school. She taught me music. She gave me the name L. Spencer. She changed it. She said, here's your professional name. And, you know, when you go out into the world, you know, all of those things. And she just kind of reformatted how I conduct myself as an artist. And and she just sat in the church and just cried. Because she's like, yo, I can't believe I had a part in helping make you who you are. I'm like, Absolutely. That's not bad pressure on children. No. I carry my mother and my father in my future. I carry my grandparents into my future. Yeah, anything I do, any book I write, I give kudos to all of them. All of them who raised me from where I come from. Because guess what? Statistics says I wasn't, as a black male, I wasn't supposed to make it this far. If it wasn't for the community, putting that understanding, putting the historical understanding and uh, the, the the worth and the agency of the opportunities that I had that you represent all of us from this little town, from this little space, you represent all of us, then I don't think I would have made it this far. So I am grateful. But that is a part 
remove that selfish mentality and let them know what our history is, that we have made it together. We have come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, right? Not just me by myself, but it takes a village to make it in this hour, right? Listen, we've got so much to go. Culture call, culture call. Tell everybody about it. I need you to keep it right here. We have more about black history. How do we get this to our children? Coming right up. Back right here on the culture call with your truly L. Spencer Smith. Praise 93.3. It's the top of the hour. 11 a.m. and some change. And we're having a great day, a beautiful day here in the city of Tuscaloosa. That's right. Even as we celebrate Black History Month, we're dropping a dime on really talking about how can we pass this great history on to our children on the backdrop and on the scheme of what is all going on in our country to remove history and books uh, and, and literary devices out of, you know, out of the sight of our children where we they were once being able, I could say, go to the library and read. But now you can't really say that in a whole lot of areas around the country uh, because obviously the full, truthful, honest history of this country um, does not include black history. And, and yeah. If they could have the triumph without the torture or the trauma, then perhaps it would. But a part of the tri- uh, the triumph is to talk about the trauma, is to talk about what we have lived through, what we brought here, what we came through. It is to see the pictures. It is to hear the stories. It is about accuracy. And unfortunately, uh, there are those who have decided that, yeah, we don't want accuracy <laughs> We're just going to let this slide. We just want y'all to just be quiet, sit in that corner, and don't do nothing else. You know, don't talk about X, Y, Z, A, B, C. And and so we as uh, a black community, black parents, black grandparents, we got to start thinking, how do we pass this amazing history on to our children? We got to start really uh, developing and devising, you know, uh, techniques and technology strategies um, so that this history can continue to be a part of the inheritance, just like everybody else's history. You know, uh, they want to tell us, go on, move on, get get over this, get over that, get over Okay, yeah, right? But you want us to remember the Holocaust. Don't forget 9-11. Don't forget, you know, uh, uh, 1776. Now, you want us to forget 1619, but you don't want us to forget, you know, you don't even want us to forget 1492, even though Columbus didn't even discover America, right? But you don't want us to forget that, right? You have a problem. There's a problem in this country uh, when when black people start remembering. You know, this this month is an affront to a whole lot of people. If you read the news, if you listen to the news and, you know, get on social media, uh, these air quote conservative pundits who are really racist and bigots, when when they are talking about our history as if it didn't mean much or we should get over it or using race baiting, you know, and all those other kinds of tropes that they roll out this time of year to assuage their own consciences of their own foreparents, that they want to have this pristine view of their grandfathers, their great-grandfathers, all that kind of stuff. But you don't want me to know mine. You want me to forget mine, right? That the moment that you brought the first enslaved the first enslaved people over that that changed the that you added that to the context of american history 
the, when you brought them over from Ghana, when you brought them over from West Africa, when you when you did all of those things, when you brought them and dropped them off in the Caribbean and 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 South Carolina and Georgia and you know when you did all of that, these port cities, you made them right there a part of engaging American history and what this country would become. Right. So then there's that. So the whole the whole uh, you know financial uh, uh, you know the financial stability. Of the South, yeah, was built on the back of free labor, right? But now you want us to forget that. Well, yeah, okay, I get it. I get why you do. But then again, I don't get why you do because guess what? If you would just acknowledge that's history. History means that it's past. If you teach it so it won't become present. And I know it's hard to teach it because sometimes it makes you uncomfortable because the questions are going to be uncomfortable. But nonetheless, that's the backdrop that we are, we are facing now with the removal of, again, affirmative action and all those other, you know, the Voting Rights Act. We have to begin as a black community to really think about how are we going to teach this to our children? How are we going to let little Junebug <laughs> and little Miss Shatira, how are we going to let her know that she comes from a rich legacy of persevering triumphant people, genius people, intelligent people, people who understood, who were, who understood leadership, who understood education was the passport to the future, who bled and died and sacrificed for all of that. What what, 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 what are you going to tell them about, you know, the black church that partnered with the community to, uh, to provide harbor and safety and refuge to so many that were on the run and that, that that voting rights and, you know, all of the public accommodations bill and all those things uh, were found its strategy from Sunday mornings and, and Sunday meetings in church basements. These, these are important. Well, how are you going to let them know about that? That, that we have a rich history. Yes, painful, but rich history in this country. Because again, this country seems duty bound to block that history. It becomes incumbent upon us to let them know, right? Especially if you live in areas, you know, like Alabama in the South. I think, listen, every black child should know about African-American history. Every last one. I think every teacher should have, you know, those posters on the wall. Because that's how I grew up. They had the posters. I, I I don't know if they still make them, but they had the posters on the wall of certain significant figures in black uh, uh, black history, and we had to learn them. We had to do a report on them. We had to dress up like them. We had to understand their culture and their you know and their frame of life at the time. Right? We had to look at roots. We did. We had to look at those movies. Right? We had to look at all of those eyes on the prize. You had to look at all of those things, right? In choir, we had to sing the songs, the the Negro spirituals, by Jester Hairston and and a lot of the the the, the uh, spiritual writers at the time. We had to we had to study the music and our choir director was like, "What does that mean, right? What does all of that mean? How was that go down, Moses? We had to know what did that mean. That was that that was only a reference, not a uh, a direct 
translation of the Exodus text, but that was a reference that black people used to confuse slave masters. Right? That, that, that whole idea. Oh, Mary, don't you weep. Tell Martha not to moan. Right? Pharaoh's army drowned in the Red Sea. Right? Some folks are like, well, that don't, that, don't, that don't make no sense. Yeah, because you're looking at it through the lens of modernity, but you're not looking at it when they wrote it and when they would sing it. That clue and that, that, that whole, they, they, they had a whole culture, as Albert Roberto would say, that they had a whole culture of silence and a whole secret life that they would live and that they would pass on to their children so as not to let the majority culture know because to let them know was to, was sure death, was sure death. We had to read the Willie Lynch letters. As children, we had to figure out what that, and they were asked, what did that mean? So we developed a, a particular level of consciousness, right? Develop a, 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 a whole mentality of consciousness. And that our minds were not shaped when we came to this country. We were already brilliant. We were already scholars. We already had an understanding of deep spirituality. But our children need to know, guess what? That's where they come from. You do not come from, you know, Richard Nixon's war on drugs. You do not come from Reagan's mentality on the black community and, and warfare on the black community. You don't come from redlining. That's not, no, those are the things that were inflicted upon our people when we came here. But that's not where you come from. Right? That you come from geniuses. You come from the shapers of civilization. That our people were the people that taught Europeans how to wash and how to get away from diseases. And how, you know, how to clean, how to build aqueducts so water could get through the city. That was our people taught them how to do that. See, this is what I'm saying. Do, do, do your children know that? And if they don't, why don't they? Right? It was these coded songs and prayers that I remember my mom used to sing around the house. And she's like, you know what that means? I was like, no, ma'am. And she would tell me how, what that mean, meant. Right? Mary had a baby. Yes, Lord. Born in a manger. Yes, my Lord. Mary had a baby. Yes, Lord. People keep coming, but the train done gone. I was like, what does that have to do with any? What? <laughs> what does that have to do with Mary having a baby? She said, no, you missed the point. And she would explain it to me. She would explain to us to say, hey, these are songs of survival. They were voices of resistance. They were coded prayers. They had to act like they didn't know anything. Yes, a boss and yes, a ma'am. They had to act like that to for survival, not because they were like that. Absolutely not. Absolutely. That's not how they were for real. Come on, y'all. <laughs> no, that was a part of our history. That was a part of our history. That's how they survived. Yeah. That the, they had to survive. This whole idea of they had to be invisible. They had to understand what that meant. And that, that was important. And if, if, if you have to have that whole understanding of that self-consciousness, you know, that whole 
Dubaisian, what they call Dubaisian hermeneutic, where you know you knew you were black, but when you were around them, you had to be somebody else. Absolutely, that's what our people live through. That's what, and we have to tell our children that. There's no shame in that. There is no indictment in that culture call. Stop being ashamed of that. Don't be, uh, let me say this again. Don't be ashamed of that. Absolutely not. No. Uh-uh. It's this, it's this understanding of double consciousness. It's the, it's the state of two-ness. We all, it has, we, they taught us that. You got to walk as two different people. That, that's where we get code switching from. That we talk one way in front of the majority, but when we get together, we lose, we not lose, but we use an, another level of language that only our group understands. This is why, see, in this whole idea, this is why you don't go to the store and go to the mall with your bonnet on and your pajamas on. No. No, no, no. You're doing it in the name of freedom. I can do it. But see, my grandma would say, you know, you could be free till you're fool. You don't do that. No, sir. No, absolutely not. Not at all. And you've got to understand that. And we've got to pass that on. You know, you, you got people. No, when you walked out, you, you, you were presentable. You made yourself look like something. And that was part of the problem that they had in the South because every time black people stepped out and they would go places, yeah, they would always look like something. They were always put, you know, look their best. They were, when they went to church, they dressed up, right? Because And they understood that whole double consciousness that I can't be that big and confident, you know, and, and portray that in front of them. This might mean the life of me or my family. It might be a difference between my, a cross burning in my yard or my house being bombed or burnt down. So I had to make sure that I had to walk with wisdom. And so this is why we don't do that. This is why you will not go out of my house looking like that to the university mall. You will not put that. No, you need to go dress. I don't feel like it. I don't care what you feel like. You, you Listen, your friends don't, I don't care. They're going to think I'm something. I don't care what your friends think. You represent something when you leave my house. You represent something when you leave the Smith house. That was, listen, and that's the, the, all of that are life lessons that we pass along to them. That is not equitable. We already know. They think all of us are on welfare. They think all of us are uneducated. That all of us are looking for, you know, somebody to give us something. That all of us are whiners. They think that, that we're not intelligent. They think that's what they think. And I will not have another generation that's going to sag their pants and all that. Listen, I get style. I understand culture. And this is not to cast aspersions. It is you understanding that as black people, we must live with a double consciousness in this two-ness. Two-ness. Right. Right. This is why even now they're still debating the Crown Act. The Crown Act. Even in Texas right now, this young boy is being expelled because he has uh, uh, his cornrows. It's neat. It's, it's done well, but it doesn't reflect the culture. As a matter of fact, the superintendent of the school system who keeps putting him out says, when you're in America, it's about assimilation. You got to look like you are. Wait a minute. Hold on. No, it's not. But see, that's what people believe. 
and we are letting our young kids go out and just do whatever they want to do when the it does not work like that. Right? It was it was and it's this creation of this double standard in order to exist. That's what our foreparents had to do. Right? You can't go into your job and just say whatever you want to say if you want a job. You know? Now, now you can demand respect. Now, that's number one. No, you ain't got to be the, but you're not going to go in and, and bring them into our cultural semantics, our cultural lexicon of vocabulary. No, that's when you get with us. And it is so funny when when they, they grab a hold to it and they make it a cultural idiom and they grab a hold to it and trying to speak it. No, 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 this is not for you. No, no, this is not a part of that great American melting pot. You will not be from Nashville trying to talk like you from the Brooklyn Bronx just to fit. No, absolutely not. See, you see what I'm saying? Just this month, they're trying to give the fade cup. Our barbers have been cutting fades. I've been getting fades and haircuts like this forever. While they were, their hair was growing long and blah, blah, blah. And now they're trying media, New York Times and, and all these other fashion magazines that, you know, trying to assign it to uh, Travis Kelsey, the Travis Kelsey cut. What? What are you talking about? That's an affront. That's a cultural affront that anytime something catches on that we derive, they will steal it and appropriate it, or better yet, misappropriate it and relabel it as something that they came up with. Absolutely not. See, these are the things your kids need to know. These are the things our children need to know. These are what they need to know, that when we send them to school, even the teachers have, listen, I took educational psychology. I passed, I, I passed the Florida uh, educational uh, uh, examination. And to hear, and that was years ago, to hear how they viewed, so they will only work in our communities so that their student loans could perhaps be forgiven or, you know, that that yeah, but not because they had a heart for the culture and a heart for the community, because they they all came with a with a different aspect of what we could learn. This whole thing they're dealing with now, pass them, pass them. Don't worry about it. They learned it. They pass them. Just let them slide through, because they want to create what uh, an, an uneducated populace. Because when you create an uneducated populace, watch this. While they are educating their children, they're educating their children to be the boss. They are not educating our children, but letting them slide through so that we can continue to be the worker. We could be the slave. We could be the laborer. They own the factories. We got to work for the factories. They're making six figures. We're making into 40 grand. You see what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. These are the things we need to tell our children. Right? Oh, that's long past. I, listen, oh, 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 that that were true. But it is not long past. Do the math. It's not. Anybody that lived in the 50s are in their 70s now. Are in their 70s now. My mom was born, my mom and dad were born in 1942. Yeah. And so they live close to their 80s. I, you know, just thinking about all they saw, I'm like, whoa. 
But not only, not only were those who were disenfranchised in their 70s and 80s, guess what? 60s, 70s, and 80s, right? But guess what? Even the oppressor is still, those who were lynching are, are, are the same age. Yes. That, that, and that's what they, that's why they want to remove everything because they're still living. You see that 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 that's what I'm trying to tell you. This is why our children need to understand. No, you don't get no free pass. I don't want to dress up like that today. Who cares what, how, why you and how you want to dress up? No, this is bigger than just little old you. And I know I sound like an old folky stogie. You don't understand the culture. Trust me. Trust and believe I understand exactly the culture in which I live in. Study it every day. Every day. And a lot of the things that we are seeing right now, right? A lot of the things that we are seeing now, the recurrence of the things we are seeing right now is because a generation forgot to pass it on to their children. That's what it is. They forgot. And we think that, you know, we think it's easy parenting and gentle parenting and all this different kind of stuff. And I listen, I know that our parents probably could have done some things different, but they didn't have the exposure to the education, and the psychology courses in your therapist that you got now that tells you that you were abused and, and all that kind of stuff. They didn't have access to that. Some of us are going to have to get up off our parents. Now, I know when you say parents and mother and father, that strikes different kind of figures in everybody's heads because everybody experiences words and realities differently. I understand all of that. But we're so busy trying to give our children and our generations what they did, what we did not have, that we forget to give them what they we did have. Right? That, yes, auntie, grandmama, uncles, they took care of us. Some of us didn't have our parents. Some of us, some some folks didn't have, I get all of that. But herein lies the reality. That is not an excuse for you to live an undisciplined life. That is not an excuse, you know, for you to live in a place to where, oh, well, I'm, you know, that's, that, you know, well, I, all, all, all this is, you know, that that's just not, you know, I don't I don't want to teach my children like that. I want to teach them that all are created equal. Okay, cool. That's good. I believe that as well. But you also better teach them reality. Why are you teaching them that? Why are you teaching them that all, you know, all all are created equal? Why are you doing that? Hmm? Why are you doing that? That makes absolutely no sense. That makes absolutely no sense sense so that's the whole that's the whole issue that's the big thing that's the whole idea you have to understand that this world still views black and brown people differently period you can live in your utopian mind all you want to you can live in your we are the world we are the children we are the ones that make a brighter day so let's start you can live in that all you want to but i tell you what you better come on and, 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 and bring, bring yourself down to reality. You have to bring yourself down because they're trying to create a culture, another other culture, to revive that. That's what they want. They want that. And so, 
what, what has to happen is you have to see it for what it is. We have to see it for what it is. And we must, let me say this again, and we must, try it one more time, and we must pass this down to our children without shame, without guilt, without allowing anyone else to tell me why am I uh, teaching my children this. And Joshua, it says, Joshua chapter number four, come on, here's what the text says. The text says, when, so when your children ask you, what does this mean? You can tell them, this is where we crossed over. This is another place where God got the victory. This is another place where we had grace. This is another place where we survived what was trying to be done to us. That, that's how he said, that's why you teach this. That's why when 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 you're not doing well in school, I'm going to show up because I want to know. First of all, I want that teacher to know that I'm just dropping, putting you on a bus. I want them to know that you have somebody in your corner. And I'm going to listen to them. Huh? See, see that that that's the whole idea. Yeah. Parents, we got to get active in that. Yeah, I'm going to let you go to the mall, but don't let me hear you. Here's the thing. My my daddy used to say to us, say, listen, and I know I, I reference my parents because I revere my I revere my parents as the ancestors, as both of them now are my ancestors now. They're no longer in the earth as my parents. Right? But one of the things that they said, listen, if they do you wrong and you go to jail, I'll be right there to get my baby out. But if you go out in these streets and you do something that you know you ain't supposed to do, then you have to stay there overnight. I'm going to let that jail cell teach you at least one night because you done lost your mind. You done forgot who you are. <laughs> they used to tell my brother and I that all the time. You go out of this house if you want to and act like you don't have good sense. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. When they call me and say you in jail, I'm going to say, hey, all right, is he alive? And then I'm going back to sleep. So I'll, I'll come see him in the morning. Y'all make sure you got some place to sleep because when you're doing wrong, I'm going to let you figure out that you're doing wrong. <laughs> I was like, yo. Consequently, none of my brothers and I <laughs> ever did anything wrong. So I, to this day, I don't even know if that's the truth or not. I don't know if that's what they would have done or not. And guess what? Culture call. I'm glad I never had to find out. <laughs> you hear me? Oh, no. I never knew. I knew. That was enough for me. That was enough for me. Just them saying it. I ain't coming to get you. When you do wrong, now if you tell me they picked on you and you did you did nothing wrong, then I'ma have the entire I'ma come in with the entire community. And we coming to bail you out. But if you go in these people's store and fighting and you stealing and all that, then go ahead on, make your bed there. I get there when I get there. I'm not gonna get off work to come see about something that you know you knew better than doing. And I know you're like, oh, that's harsh. That's rigid. No, it's not. No, it taught me discipline. It taught me to be responsible for myself. It taught me not to try it. <laughs> that's the thing. And see, here's the problem. We have children today that don't know not to try it. Because everything they get themselves into, we go bail them out. Right? That was, it. That was the thing. You know, if the teacher ever called the house... Saying that you couldn't be quiet. Oh, oh, you can't, you don't know how to be quiet at the schoolhouse. That's what they used to call it, the schoolhouse. You, you don't know how to be quiet at the schoolhouse. Oh, okay. 
Well, I'm, I'm going to take you to school tomorrow, and I'm going to assure your teacher that you're going to learn how to be quiet, but you're going to get this seat heated up today, <laughs> right? You, aren't you, what you go to school to talk? No, I go to learn. All right, is there time to talk? Yes, what time is that? Recess or when the teacher gives us permission? Okay, so then you know the rule. But see, again, now we're living in the diminishing of rules. And see, all of that is, watch this, all of that is our history. Oh, how does that our history? Because we're teaching them and training them when they leave our houses and we cannot see them, that history says they look a certain way. I don't care if you Tyler Perry, Oprah, uh, you know, or all these other people or somebody, some Joe Blow on the street. The, the history teaches us that when we get out of the majority culture, they see us in a different way. So you better learn. Your history teaches you. You better learn how to discipline yourself and know how to act. I ain't putting on for them people. Okay. Well, they got a place where where not putting on for people, you know, that's just human decency, human kindness. That's not an affront to your color or to your culture. That's just learning how our people have made it. Now, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but that was a key and a tool for how our people made it in this society today. And we need to teach our children all of that. Culture call. I need you to stay right here. There's much more to come as we talk about how do we pass black history on to our children. This is the world and we are back right here on the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith. And it has been a beautiful day. Yes, a beautiful day talking about how can we pass down black history as an inheritance to our children. You know, the text says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And I think that is so very important. Listen, and so, you know, I think it's uh, as, as important as I think it is that we have to have a strategy as our community. Because, again, our children are suffering from a, a, a series levels of attention deficit, not in a clinical kind of way, but just there's so much other things, so many other things that are trying to catch, capture their attention and capture their eyes that if there is a generation that loses, uh, uh, you know, it takes its eye off the ball, you know, does, does not know its history, it makes it easier for some of the vile things that they are continuing to try to do in this country. Um, it makes it more feasible, makes it easier to do. And so we definitely have to make sure we do that. Listen, I got some community announcements real quick right here. Uh, at right here, I have one from Senior Citizen Connect Day at Weeping Mary Baptist Church. Listen, Weeping Mary Baptist Church is on the ball. Uh, they are doing their inaugural Senior Citizens Connect Day on Monday, February 19th, 2024 at 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. The same time as the culture call in the Weeping Mary Baptist Church Activity Building, right? The church is located at 2010 uh, T.Y. Rogers Jr. Avenue, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 35401. Uh, they want you to know that the city of Tuscaloosa, other area agencies and organizations will be bringing information about available resources, services, activities, and other things uh, that you can be a part of as a senior citizen. This event is open to all senior citizens and caregivers. So this is for senior citizens and caregiver, the inaugural Senior Citizens Connect Day. And Brief and Mary wants to connect you, uh, yes, they want to connect you to resources. One of the things that's so very important in our community is making sure that we take care of our senior citizens and our golden majors 
and connect them to the valuable tools that they need to have a long and prosperous life. That is important, don't you think? And so that's what Weeping Mary Baptist Church is doing, providing the Senior Citizens Connect Day. Again, here's the date, Monday, February 19th, 2024, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Weeping Mary Baptist Church Activity Center, 2110 T.Y. Rogers Jr. Avenue, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 35401. So listen, if you don't have anything to do, go out there and make sure that you are a part. You got some time to plan it, plan your ride uh, so that you can get your transportation there uh, so that you can be a part of that Senior Citizen Connect Day. And we want to invite all of the Stillmanites on, uh, in Tuscaloosa and Birmingham uh, to the Impact Nation Fellowship Church that third Sunday. That's right, February 18th is Stillman Sunday. It is Stillman Sunday. It's the Sunday where we normally uh, raise money for their endowment fund. Uh, and we give to them their alumni is there. We're excited about partnering with them right after homecoming. And so you don't want to miss that. It's going to be a wonderful time, wonderful music. Uh, we just, it, we're going to paint the sanctuary blue and gold. That's right. For all of our Stillman Tigers out there. So definitely you can come and be a part of that wonderful worship experience right here at the Impact Nation Fellowship Church, uh, 1110 26th Avenue East, right in the heart of Alberta City, up from the University of Alabama. It is going to be a blast on February 18th, our Stillman College Sunday. So definitely you want to be a part of that. Listen, don't forget you can send your announcements to culturecall.praise at gmail.com. Again, that's culturecall.praise at gmail.com. Or definitely you can send it uh, through our Facebook messaging system. Yeah, you all you got to do is like and then you can send me a message and I will announce your event on the air. That's right. And let everybody know what's happening in your neck of the woods. So, yeah, make sure you keep it right there. Listen, so... Um, uh, I, I want to begin, uh, continue, not begin, but continue to talk about how can we transfer it, uh, this African-American history. You know, interest is created in conversation. Interest is created in conversation. That, that the way that we describe it, you know, and you can't wait to start them when they get older because you think they're not comprehending. You'll be amazed at how little children even comprehend. And I told you there's some resources here in Tuscaloosa. You can definitely go uh, to the public library if they haven't removed the books, but not too far from us in Birmingham, they have the Civil Rights Museum that's across the street, I believe, uh, from the 16th Street Baptist Church. Birmingham is literally, literally living history. There is history. And you can go there if, if you're looking for a guided tour uh, through that, uh, through the history of, of you know, black history beginning in Birmingham and all around Montgomery. They have it all the way around. Yeah. They also have a uh, display of of, of the, uh, the lynching exhibit there in Montgomery, Alabama. You can go to that and, you know, what's lynching, Grandma? What's lynching, Grandpa? What's, you know, they let them ask questions and be ready to answer it. Yeah. Because their inquisitiveness, remember, that interest interest is cultivated even in conversation. That, you know, you ask them, what did you learn today? You know, you let them know that each of those things represents bodies 
that were hung and burned, you know, uh, in this country and, you know, in the South. And that's something that we need to, to know. That's a history that we need to know. It's a bitter part, you know, uh, that we need to acknowledge and need to let our children know that it cost something to be in this country. It cost a whole lot of something to be in this country. And we won't allow anybody to wipe that out. No. You're not going to tell me that my ancestors and my foreparents were not valuable to making this country be what it is. But through literal blood, sweat, tears, right? That, you know, through, through you know, uh, the African diaspora that came from the Caribbean and, and all of that, they, they brought their spices. You know, there's something about soul food. You know, it's not just them eating fried chicken and all that kind of stuff. Why do we cook the way that we cook? Why do we use the spices? Why do we eat like how we eat? You know? Yeah, all of that is our history. And I think it is so very important. Now, listen, if you've got Netflix, Netflix, N-E-T-F-L-I-X, if you got Netflix, Coach Call, I'm going to encourage you to watch this documentary called High on the Hog. You watch it with your children. High on the Hog. Uh, listen, it will literally blow your mind. The history that they are teaching through black uh, African-American cooking. You'd be surprised at the history that is within and they go all around the South and the North. They go all around the country finding particular black places, black restaurants, um, chefs, you know, all of those. You would be surprised. High on the hog on Netflix. It will literally blow your mind. Here's another one you can watch with your children. Another one on Netflix called Stamped from the Beginning. Stamped from the Beginning. It is an amazing documentary. I'm telling, I am telling you. So that's two. I've given you an assignment. <laughs> if you haven't seen it already, the one, the first one is High on the Hog, and I think it's about three or four, uh, uh, three or four shows in the series of different places, and they go to Africa with it. I mean, it, it is amazing. It is amazing. You definitely, definitely don't want to miss that one. And diff, uh, and High. On the hog. High on the hog. That's what you want. You got to look at that. Stamp from the beginning and high on the hog. Those two right there will give you a good, uh, and you got to watch it with your children. Watch it with your children. Watch it with your children. And um, I can remember my daughter telling me, Dad, you you got to watch high on the hog. I was like, high on the hog? What is that? I don't know. I, I didn't know whether it was a comedy and I got so into it, my goodness. And I just kept looking, looking, looking and learning and learning. Did you know that macaroni and cheese is was, was created by a black chef <laughs> who served, guess who, Thomas Jefferson? <laughs> right. That macaroni and cheese was. Right. Exactly. You, I mean, it's, it's a whole lot. Why do we use certain spices about barbecue? about all the things that we eat, uh, you know, all the things that we love, our Sunday dinners. 
Yeah, our collards, where they come from, all of those turnips. Yeah, we, we need to read what all of that, where all of that came from. Uh, see, but actually, they literally show you. So it's high on the hog. It will, it will definitely bless your life. Now, listen, if you look at stamped from the beginning, go ahead on and get your, uh, uh, some coffee, you know, and, and calm yourself down before you read, before you look at it with your kids. <laughs> I'm telling you, you have been forewarned. Go ahead and just go ahead and make up your mind. God help me through this because it is going to show some some rough stuff. It's going to show some rough stuff. Y'all think, you know, this generation think BBLs just got here? You <laughs> know, no. Nope, 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 nope. There was a black woman named Sarah Bartman that was brought over from Africa because she had a big hips. She had all of that. They call her Venus Hottentot. That's what her name is, Venus Hottentot. You need to look at that stamped from the beginning. It will blow, literally blow your mind. But it is a crash course in black history. It will literally change your mind, right? But there are valuable resources that we need to tap into so that we can teach our children, so that we can, you know, stop what you're doing one weekend, get you some tickets, and I, you know, and, and go, go to different places. Sometimes get, just get in the car, gas it up, and go to Utah. Go to Boulder G. Go to uh, Green County. Go to those areas where you see those antebellum homes that are still there. Those big houses that looks like, you know, that they're from the uh, civil rights days. The Civil War, not civil rights, but Civil War days. And you, and you pay close attention to the houses in the back, which was the slave quarters, or the houses on the side, right? Pay attention to that. Exactly. That's where your history is. It's not just in the city, but it's in the rural areas as well. And we cannot take it for granted. Do not take it for granted uh, that, you know, that this, that, that it's all over. And because the, our classrooms won't teach it, our schools won't teach it, it's not necessary. No. A lot of our children don't even know how we got here don't even know how we exist in this country or think that all they see now is all that there has been of our our history in this country. No. Take them. See it. Yeah. Set a family day. Yeah. You'll be surprised. And I think that the the, uh, Birmingham Museum of Civil Rights is not too far from a, a Burger King or some good eateries. Yeah. You can do that. Take them there, you know, and and show them our history. It is so, so important that they see that we all come, them included, from a mighty long way. And give them that appreciation so they'll understand the context of the world in which they live. Absolutely. That they will understand the context from the world in which they live. It's our responsibility to do that. Don't you think, Culture Call, that our children will not be late, last, and lost? That, that, that we create experiences that they will never, ever forget and connect them to our deep, rich, valuable history that is so important in these here United States. Listen, 
I see the runway. We got a little bit more to go on this edition of the Culture Call, but I need you to stay right here. Listen, we got more to come. Don't miss it. Family, family, family. It's been an amazing day right here on the Culture Call. Listen, we're ending this show, but not this week. You've got a couple of more days to go, Wednesday through Friday. That's right. It's going to be an amazing week, even as we talk more about Black History Month. I think it's so important. Remember today's focus, however. How do we transfer? How do we accumulate all of this and put, position it and posture it as an inheritance for our children. I think that's important. It's necessary. That even as we look at all of that which is going on, the needs of our children are so important. That I'm glad that my wife and I, we had the the good sense as parents and as people, black people in this country, to make sure our children had a level of awareness of who they were as they live in this world. That it is not unfounded on them that they live in this world. And what does that mean? What is their position? What is their, uh, what is, what, what is their, that the invitation to, to react? What is their invitation to respond to all that is going on? I think that's very important. And if you miss that, if you missed that, what's going to happen is this, that we're going to have a generation that just does not know. So I encourage them that when they have children, yeah, that they'll be off in different areas of the of the country, perhaps take their take their kids and bring them back to Alabama and South Carolina. You know, we're planning planning right now a family tour of South Carolina, of the Sea Islands. I'm from the Low Country, so there's a whole lot of history there. Taking all of our children there just for vacation and just. Look at how their ancestors made it, you know, where they arrived in the port of Charleston and all of that. Just sharing that history, making the baskets as they do downtown in Charleston. All of that is important to our history and making sure that they're able to compartmentalize it and package it specially for their children when they do have them. I think it's important. It's an important investment. It's an important investment. Let me say it again. It's an important investment. Not to cause them to fear, not to cause them to hate, absolutely not. But to definitely give them a sense of, a greater sense of awareness and consciousness that as a black person in America, I come from a very rich history. I come from a history of winners, triumphant people, perseverers. That there's nothing that I cannot do if I put my mind to it. That I am not what the media often creates and crafts to be someone that is wild and intelligent, have to be put in a special program or jail, or I'm not some drugged out poor individual. No, that I have agency, that God has given us resources because I stand on the shoulders of those who paid the price for me to live. As a free black person, a free black, a free black woman, a free black man in this country, And yes, part of that assignment is to dedicate ourselves to the liberation and the freedom of all around us. Yeah, to bring each other up. As my wife, you know, sorority say, lifting even as we climb. I think that's so very important. That we see ourselves as achievers, as winners. That we survived and we live to tell the story and the story continues 
every day through them. I think that's what we ought to give them. Don't you think, Coach Cole? Well, listen, as my grandmama and my mama would say at the end of every phone call, I love you a bushel and I love you a peck. I love you a hug around the neck. This has been the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on Praise 93.3, signing off for another beautiful day. Listen, you be at peace with everybody. Love intentionally. Embrace as much as you can. Wear your mask and let it work for you and do good. Y'all have a beautiful and blessed day.